0: Sorry about that. Dear fellow redeemed, the man in our text comes up to Jesus with a question, are only a few going to be saved? Seems like an interesting question, right? How many people are going to be in heaven? Is it going to be a big number or is it going to be a small number? Aren't we all itching to know? But Jesus directs his attention really to a different question Showing him that it's not important to know the number of people that are going to be there, but really to know the answer to this question, are you going to be there? And so today we take up that question then as our theme, are you going to be saved? It is an important question, especially when we see that Jesus says that the door to heaven is a narrow door. So we ask ourselves first the question, Well, what is this door, and where do we find it? Is the door in a faraway land, maybe in a temple, hidden away in some jungle? Is it maybe in a magical wardrobe, hidden away in some house? Where is the portal to heaven, the portal to eternal life? Well, Jesus gives us the answer in John chapter 10 when he says this. I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. And he also says just a few chapters later, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, Jesus makes clear that he is the door. There are many people that seek ways to heaven through false religion, through their own works, but Jesus makes clear that he is the way, the only way to eternal life and to heaven. But he also describes himself as a narrow door. In fact, in our lesson for today, he says that many will try to enter and not be able. So, How do we understand this? Well, If you go back earlier in the same chapter in Luke, you see these people coming up to Jesus and they want to share this news of things that are happening right now with him as they describe these Gentile people whose blood was mixed by Pilate with their sacrifices, apparently, at the temple. And Jesus responds to them in this way, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered these things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all perish too. You see, they were so concerned about these evil people who deserve God's judgment and apparently that judgment was brought swiftly upon them or so they thought. But Jesus said what is most important is not being so worried about other people and their sins but worried about your own and your own need for repentance. It's easy for us to think to ourselves, of course, we are among the saved. Of course, we are among those going to heaven. After all, Many of us have been raised in Christian homes. Going to church every week, Sunday school, maybe every week, maybe some of us even had the privilege of going to Christian grade schools or high schools or colleges. Certainly we are among those who will be saved. What need have we really for repentance? After all, we, we strive to live a good and holy life. We try to follow God's commandments, be good Christians. Isn't it ultimately those that are outwardly immoral, the fornicators, the drunkards, those who use horrible language, the thieves, the greedy, aren't they the ones who need to repent and not us? But if we have no sin to repent of, then we also really have no need of a Savior. The truth is, all of us do have sins. Sins that we commit, Every day, every week, we maybe don't think of them as big of a deal as some other sins that people commit, but they're grievous sins before the Heavenly Father, deserving of His wrath and punishment. And So in order for us to enter through the narrow door, we must enter in repentance and humility. A number of years ago, I took a trip to the Holy Land, And it was amazing going from location to location. Uh, One place we stopped at was a church in Bethlehem called the Church of the Nativity. Supposedly, it's one of the oldest active Christian churches in the world. And there's a lot of things that could be said about that church, but what was most intriguing to me was the entrance. You see, there was thousands of people that came to that church every day, but it had a tiny entrance. It was only maybe four and a half feet tall by maybe three feet wide. Everyone who entered into that church had to enter one by one with their head bowed down to walk in. And why? Well, our guide explained it to us. He said in many years prior, individuals would come wanting to see this church that had been standing for centuries, and men would come in on their horses riding into church. And they decided that was a little irreverent. And so they thought, well, we'll make them get off their horse. And so they restricted that entryway. They made it so tiny that individuals could only enter one by one. In fact, our guide told us to this day that that entry is called the door of humility. And to enter into God's dwelling, a grown person must bow down, bow his head to enter into that place. What a good picture that is for us in entering this narrow door that we enter in repentance and humility. Acknowledging the sins that we have committed, even the sins we've committed recently. And that we are not worthy to enter. And yet we come to that door, sorry for our sins, and placing our trust in our Savior, Jesus Christ. But Jesus also tells us that when that door is shut, that there are going to be people outside claiming to have known him and yet they won't be let in. In fact, the people are going to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I don't know you. He'll also say, I don't know where you come from. Depart from me, all you evil evildoers. And there's a strong warning for us here. A strong warning not to fool ourselves into thinking that Jesus knows us if he does not how can we be sure whether or not Jesus does in fact know us, even if we claim to know Him? Well, the religious leaders came to Jesus, John chapter 10, and they wanted Him to tell them plainly, Are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? And Jesus responded in this way, I did tell you, but you did not believe, because you are not my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. See, what Jesus is saying there is those whom he knows are those who believe in him. Those who hear the voice of his word and follow him. Are we among this group? Yes, this is a big question for us. Do we... Believe in Jesus. and What does that even mean? Does it mean that we believe that Jesus was a real person? Does it mean that we believe that Jesus died on a cross some 2,000 years ago in Palestine? Does it mean that we believe that Jesus is God? Well, even the demons believe that and they shudder at the thought. So belief in Jesus must mean something more than just simply believing the facts. About a year ago, a woman came up to me, I think it was at our synod convention, and she she came up to me and she said, Oh, Pastor Moldstead, great to see you. And she went into this long story about something that had happened to her recently, and I sat back scratching my head, wondering how I knew this lady. And I couldn't place it. And it wasn't until someone else came up to her and she said, oh, hi, Mary, this is Pastor said. I know him from Peace Devotions. It was then that I realized that she knew me from watching our videos online, though I had no clue who this woman was. Is that the way it is with Jesus, that we might claim that we know him, but he doesn't really know us? How can this possibly be? Yes, it is important for us to know Christ, and more than simply knowing the facts. To know that Jesus did live a perfect and holy life, but He didn't do it just to show how good He was, but He did it for you. He did it in your place. He did it because you could not. To know that, yes, Jesus died on a cross, and He was put there not simply because of wicked and evil men and their intentions, but He went to the cross for you and for your sins. To make satisfaction before the Heavenly Father. To know that Jesus rose from the dead not simply to show His power as God, but to show that you have power over death through Him. You see, believing in Jesus means trusting that He is your Savior. That He has lived and died and rose again for you. So to be assured whether or not we are saved, we must then repent of our sins and trust in Jesus. But our text also tells us that that door, while it stands open now, will soon be shut. And that door will be shut for every one of us, either on the day of our death or the day when Christ returns in glory. And so there is an urgency to all of this as well. What is your life like right now? How would you describe it? Would you describe your life as carefree or busy? Would you describe your life as relaxing or stressful? There might be some here that describe their life as relaxing and carefree, but I would guess that for a vast majority of you, you probably would say that your life Is busy and it is stressful. And why? It's all the stuff to do in life, whether it's going to school, whether it's going to work, whether it's the the stresses of of family life with children or activities and recreation, all the things that we cram into our life. And maybe we long for the days when maybe all of that's going to go away, the day when we retire or the day when the kids move out of the house We maybe say, well, then I'm going to have enough time. Maybe then I'll have a little bit more time to focus on my faith, to spend more time in devotion, to spend more time with God and His Word. The reality for us is that most of our stressors and busyness in this life are self-inflicted. There are many things that we choose to do that don't need to be done right now. Many things that we choose to do that maybe don't need to be done at all. And so it is a matter of deciding what is important. Jesus said that concerning the flood, in the days of Noah, so it will be also when he returns in glory. In Luke chapter 17, he says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. We maybe think of some people filling up their days and lives with sin and unbelief, turning away from God. But there are plenty of other people that just fill their lives up with the pleasures of this world. Just the simple things of marrying and being given into marriage, eating and drinking, the mundane things of this life, the regular things of this life, they can make that their entire focus. Well, neglecting the truth and reality that that door is about to shut. And what is it going to be like for those left on the outside? As Jesus said, the people will be pleading on the outside, Lord, let us in. But he will say, I do not know you. And for them, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A description that's often used for hell in the Bible but also a description certainly of how those will feel as they see many fellow Christians, even as mentioned in our text, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so many others that they knew in their lives entering into eternal life, but themselves left out. Because for them, God and His Word, repenting and believing in Jesus wasn't just a priority for them. But know this. Today the door stands open for you. Today the door stands open for all. There is no person who is exempted from this. This door is open wide for you. As it says in our text, that people will come from the east and west, the north and south, and will recline at the table in the kingdom of God. Yes, Jesus beckons all to repent and believe the good news, the gospel, to believe in Him so how can you know the answer to that question? Are you going to be saved? When well, the jailer of Philippi saw how he had messed up bad, he saw and despaired because of his own condition and turned to the disciples, to the apostles there, and he said to them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They responded, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved, you and your household." That is God's message for you today, for your certainty of heaven is found in Christ. So come to him, repenting of your sins and believing the gospel, the good news of salvation. When I did enter into that door in the church of the nativity, I had to bow my head and wiggle through that opening, but inside was an incredible sight to be seen ornamentation beyond imagination. It was an amazing sight to see, almost to the point of of being too much being gaudy. But how much greater will be the sight of heaven as we enter into eternal life through the narrow door of Jesus Christ. Yes, replant and believe the good news, and you shall be saved. Amen. Invite the congregation to please rise.